Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. It's day 726 of the J6 political hostage crisis. I'm Mel Holly, and this is your Justice in Jeopardy update. Are we going to have a series of hearings that gets to the bottom of Nancy Pelosi and what they knew, what DHS knew, what the intel knew? Are we going to get that information? Are we going to see all 14,000 hours of footage? Do you believe that's going to happen? I do believe that's going to happen. I don't believe everything in the list you laid out will happen, but I do believe most of it will happen. What, what in the list? I don't think you'll ever see the 14,000 hours of video. That's not my opinion. I'm not saying that I agree with that, but I don't believe that one will come out. The American people paid for that. They pay for the cameras. They pay for the building. They pay for all of it, and they deserve it. And I, I firmly believe it should come out. And the main one we need to talk about is Nancy Pelosi. Why was the National Guard not there? That's the number one question. Why was the National Guard not there? She's the only one to blame. Uh, do you believe that this House, this Republican House, has the titanium in it to go forward and actually look at that? It's not whether they have it or not. They have to. We have to. Good morning, Shane. This is Shane Jenkins with us calling from the D.C. Gulag. How are you doing? I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. So um, I am going to share your very powerful testimony in this episode that um, I think is is going to really uh, touch a lot of hearts. It was it was just so compelling, and um, I I just there's I have no words. Um, I was I was very touched by it, and uh, it just really shows the the power of Jesus and the glory of God for sure. Well, it's you know let's say it's history, right? But it's, it's his story. I don't mean it's my story. It's, it's God's story. You know, and he, he redeemed me and he salvaged my destiny. You know, I was, I set out, you know, we'll see it. I set out to destroy myself and um, he saved me for myself, you know, and brought me into a fellowship with him and changed my life. So, you know, I can never stop talking about Jesus because he, he is the reason for my existence and he save me, man. really really save me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, um, we are going to talk about something different first here, and uh, that is a new call to action that you have. So uh, why don't you share that with us? Okay. Well, if you go to therealj6.com forward slash be the people, not, not we the people, but be the people. Um, what we've done is several of the guys and and I in here, Jeff McKillop and uh, Kelly Meggs and Carl Fitzsimons, we all kind of sat down and, you know, there's a bunch of different websites and guys doing, you know, we're all trying to fight our own way and we kind of were like thinking we're all kind of have our guns out and we're all just shooting in random different directions. So what we wanted to do was focus our fire and all point in the same direction and, and try to rally our troops, our people, everybody out here listening, and people at the vigil, and the people from the Patriot Mail Project, and everybody else, so we can get all of our uh, affiliate sites and everybody to get on the same page and do the same thing. So what we decided was we, we got a list of the Judiciary Committee, and there were some people on there that we saw that were kind of our allies. We already felt like, like Matt Gates, um, Andy Biggs, um, and some other people. But so we took the ones that we felt were kind of like in the middle of the road that hadn't really said anything positive about J6 or just kind of been quiet about it. And we wanted to target 
right then. And so we targeted Jim Jordan, Thomas Massey, Kip Roy, Bergstone, and Troy Nelson. And then we added Lauren Bobert just because he's very outspoken. And he hasn't really, that I know, said anything about Jan 6, but we know that she's a, a fighter and a fire ramp. We wanted to get her involved. But basically what we are doing is, if you go to um, our call to action on the Real J6, or be the people. And what we're doing is we're, we've listed all those people, their phone numbers, their addresses, and some of their emails. We don't have all the emails, but we got the ones that we could. And what we're asking people to do is to call, write, or email those six people. Um, and we have some bullet points on the call to action. And what they are basically is um, we have six bullet points, and we just added one yesterday. But they are. Uh, we want them to release the 14,000 hours of video is the first point. The second one is we want Congress to be made aware of any federal government employees on the ground at the Capitol Sam 6. When that goes from NSA, CIA, DIA, DOD, FBI, DHS, Secret Service, National Park Service, or any of those agencies undercover, MPD, or MPD undercover, Capitol Police, Capitol Police undercover, or any of their associates, such as, you know, cooperative individuals, informants, confidential human sources. We want to know who all those people are. We don't We don't need to know. We want Congress to be made aware of that so that they can identify them in the crowd, whatever methods, facial recognition, whatever, so they can determine who was on the ground and who was engaged in stuff that maybe they shouldn't have been in that day. Third, uh, we want our cases compared to Similar cases that have happened in D.C., if you want to say, like the Antifa attack on the White House where President Trump was um, taken to the bunker and there was like 50 Secret Service agents um, injured and basically nothing happened to Antifa. And then you got the Code Pink where they, I guess, interrupted the Supreme Court confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, also, we want our, you know, our, our legal situations compared to theirs, like how we've been held without bail, how we've been denied visits for over almost two years, how we have no religious services. Um, it's just basically, you know, we want equal justice. We want to be treated like everybody else. And so uh, the fourth point is who had insider knowledge that day? How did John Sullivan know to be where he was uh, when Ashley Babbitt was tragically um, shot and taken from us? How did Nancy Pelosi's daughter have her whole documentary crew there? You know, how does he know who is he and how does he know what's going on? Um, and so the fifth point is to get in get in here to the jail to see if we want Congress to come in here and see us. You know, Margaret, Margaret Taylor Green was just on war room. But she, yeah, they came in November of 2021. It's been over a year and nobody's been back in here to see us or follow up with us to see how our cases have been going. So we want them to come to see us. You know, nobody's probably watched more video than a lot of the men in here. So if they want to know what was going on, what the officers were doing that day to provoke the crowd and attack the crowd, then the guys can show them that. So, and the sixth point, and this is the last one, but not um, the least important one, it's probably the most important, was to investigate the, the deaths or murders that occurred that day at the Capitol of Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boyle, Kevin Greeson, and Benjamin Phillips. Four people died that day at the Capitol, and they were not police officers. They were um, protesters, and you know, and that's just never happened in America, period. And so, 
Well, we're just asking if we have, you know, January 3rd, we may have a new speaker at the end of the day today, hopefully, not Kevin McCarthy. But we have a Republican-controlled Congress, and we just want the people to get behind us and to help us take action and to, you know, metaphorically blow their phones up. You know, make those phones ring. Email those people. Send them mail because they have to open all those all those envelopes and read all those letters. And if they see that the people are behind us, then they're going to have no choice but to get behind us. And so all that can be found at therealj6.com forward slash be the people. Excellent. Well, I will definitely share that that link. And um, I will share this directly with uh, Troy Nels and um, and anybody else I can. And uh, I I definitely call all my listeners to do the same. Please check this out and get in touch with your your congressmen, congresswomen, and let them know that we the people are going to be the people, and we want to see some action on all this because those are in- incredible action points, and and I hundred percent back every single one of them. That's right. Yeah. Um, so just on a side note, we have time. I don't know. We have time. We do. We always have time for you, Shane. Um, so I was, I wanted to do something nice for Charm Prison Ministry because obviously they were the, the people that came to see me in prison when I, when I got saved and accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, I wanted to, you know, so Charm has, um, eight discipleship homes in West Houston where they house men transitioning out of prison into society. They go into the prisons and meet these men who have had an encounter with Christ, and then they provide a place for them to come to and walk out their their Christian walk um, in society, right? And so I was like, well, they don't buy the best pillows. They have decent pillows, but I was like, how can I do something nice for the ministry? So I was going to buy my pillows for 50 of the men at the ministry, right? And... um. Don and Donna heard about it from Cowboy Logic, and they got on the phone with Mike Rundell, and they were like, we would love to donate 50 pillows to Charm Prison Ministry, um, just because we know that you guys support the Dan Sixers, and we know that that's something that uh, Shane is personally passionate about, and I just thought, just whenever, I read a book by Robert Morrison called The Blessed, the Blessed Life, and he talks about when you try to outgive God, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just, it's something that's so humbling to me and that to think about all the fighting stuff that Mike Lindell has done for his company and for his employees and to get the truth out and to fight for it against this elected fraud against this establishment. But then for them, through Donna and Donna and for everybody else that played a role and to to donate those pillows um, to the ministry just, it was humbling and it was something that is so awesome and I just wanted to give them a shout out and and let everybody know that Mike Lindell and my pillow is the real deal and Don and Donna and Cowboy Logic are the real deal. And um, that Charm Prison Ministry, if you guys go to Charm um, Prison Ministry dot org, I think maybe dot org is their website. Um, but there's all kinds of testimony videos there and there's ways to donate to the ministry. But they go into twenty six uh, prison in the Houston, Texas area, and see men and women like almost every weekend out of the year. And the day they 
came for a Christmas was the day I gave my life to Christ at the Carol Vance Unit um, in Houston, Texas. Oddly enough, that the program that I was in is called the Prison Fellowship Program, which was started by Doug Colson, who was the hatchet man for Richard Nixon, and caught up in Watergate. He took the fall for Watergate, but he went to prison, and right before he went to prison, he got saved. And when he left the prison, the guys told him, "Don't forget about us, Doug." And when he got out, he started Prison Fellowship, which was also a part of the program that brought me um, my close relationship with Christ. Wow! A big shout out to. Uh... Don and Donna over at Cowboy Logic and to Mike Lindell for, for helping make that happen. But um, yeah, the, the complexities and the little in you, uh, the little, you know, little pieces of the, of the story and, and, and uh, it, how they're all connected. It's, it's just really a beautiful thing. And uh, all these things just, uh, you know, I call them Christ incidences for sure. Never you have one minute left. Never a coincidence. Yeah. You think, about, yeah, you think- Everybody has a role to play in the kingdom. So I'm thankful for all the people that went before me. And, you know, my mentor and everybody else that has played a role in my yeah, I know Christ, yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, I hope everybody is going to enjoy listening to your testimony that's up next. And, um, you know, sometimes things are said about, about you guys in your past. And, and it's just, uh, I don't think it's acceptable at all to judge people on their past, especially when they turn their lives around. So... God bless you, Shane, and thank you for always coming on and and sharing the truth and um, speaking from the heart. Yes, ma'am. We love you, Mel. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. All right. Thanks, Shane. I'll talk to you soon. My name is Shane Jenkins, and this is my story. I started off pretty normal. I grew up with Bob and Sandy Jenkins as my mom and dad. I was pretty much an only child. I had an older brother and sister that were out of the house at that time. I went to a private school called All Saints Episcopal School, which is, seems unusual, probably looking at me. But the first years of my life were really pretty normal. Around the time I turned 13, my sister came to visit and uh, she and I had this really big fight. She told my mom, she goes, if you don't tell him, I'm going to tell him. And I was like, tell me what? Later that evening, my mom pulled me to the side and said, "Uh, son, you're adopted. I really just felt like somebody had jerked the rug out from underneath me that um, I had been lied to by my family. And then I started to think about, well, what is so wrong with me that my own mom doesn't even want me? You know, it made me feel like that I was a piece of trash or that I was a throwaway. I felt like Shane Jenkins was a lie, so I started creating this persona of this person that I thought a 13-year-old, immature, angry young man thinks that a man is. I started breaking the law, running away from home. I got involved with the Crip Gang in Fort Worth, and by the age of 16, I had participated in a gang-related shooting where one of my co-defendants shot and killed a 16-year-old boy, and here I am, 16, and that could have very well been you know, me. My mom started dating this gentleman. She gets married. This guy that she married is a great guy. Vietnam veteran, war hero, super fun to be around. But when he starts drinking and doing drugs, he becomes a whole nother um, person. He went to jail twice for beating my mom and it kind of escalated into some other things. He said, it's time for you to move out. And I told him that I wasn't gonna move out. He went upstairs and I hear fighting and stuff. I have a pistol and I run upstairs and I go to the door and I hear him saying, you stupid effing this and you things you never want to hear your mom called. And I'm just standing there and I'm just thinking I can't continue to allow this to go on. I made a decision and I stepped back from the door and I kicked the door in. And when I kicked the door in, he was laying in bed with a shotgun. 
he shot and missed me by about six inches and blew a hole in the door frame. And when he did, I ran downstairs and called 911. And while I was on the phone with 911, my mom came downstairs and told me, please don't call the cops. He's just trying to scare you. And I was like, you're crazy. He just tried to kill me. I almost blew my head off. I could see him at the top of the stairs. He's saying, I'm coming to get you, boy. I'm coming to get you, MFR. My mom is standing right next to me, and he starts coming down the stairs. And when he gets to the bottom of the stairs, I just I felt like that was too close for comfort. And so I jumped up from behind the counter and started shooting. And uh, as a result, um, he died on the way to the hospital. And here I am, 20 years old, I've killed a man. You know, I've been party to other people being killed. Now I've killed a man by my own hand. I've got this turmoil going on in my heart and in my spirit. And I turned to drugs and alcohol really, really bad. Nothing was ever, ever enough. And so by the age of about 23, I was headed to prison with three felonies, two cocaine possessions, and an aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury. While I'm in TDC, I become a part of the Aryan Brotherhood um, and get involved again, looking for identity, looking for something or someone to tell me who I am. My mom passes away uh, July 11, 2012. When I lost her, it was just, it was devastating. And so I turned back to what I knew, you know, drinking and trying to change the way I feel inside. And so I end up back in prison. I've been playing basketball since I was about 12 years old, like the whole time and in and out of prisons and jails and just, I played a lot of basketball. And so they tell me a charm prison ministry is coming and they're going to come play basketball with us and they're going to bring us brisket and I don't know if you've ever had prison food but it's not good and so when they say brisket and all these other things everybody's excited and so December 17th rolls around and these guys show up in these red shirts um, just like this one it says charm on it man they brought some guys that were definitely college level and above basketball players it was great on the basketball court and it was great off the basketball court because there was a lot of fellowship and there were some gentlemen there that were kind of sharing the gospel with me and the strange thing was was that I was open to it there was just nothing but love coming from these people and it was something that I wasn't used to and so after about three hours of getting our butts whooped on the basketball court they let us go back to the dorm to get cleaned up and they took us to the chapel and uh, it's where they had the food and everything and so we're all lined up outside the chapel and they have all the male volunteers um, in the front of the chapel and then we come around this corner to where all the food is set up and they have all these ladies in there I just remember looking at them and they've got this joy and this love and I just didn't really understand it at that time. And they were happy and smiling and just happy to be there. And I'm thinking, you guys are here on your weekend. You spent your gas money and your time to come in here to a prison and you're like happy about it. I would be miserable. I'm miserable in here. And not only that, but the way I see myself, I feel like I don't deserve to have somebody come in here and love on me because of the way I've lived my life and the way I feel about myself that I just don't feel worthy of that love. I remember I go and I sit down and I just broke, man. The, the love, I look at it and I know that it's the, it's the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and I look back on it. And when I look back at myself sitting at that table, I see Jesus Christ standing behind me and he's just saying, son, I love you and I'm never going to leave you. And man, he just, he's just there with me and he just says, comfort me, let me know. I stood up at the end of it and I, you know, I said, I want to follow Jesus Christ and give my life to the Lord. About a month after that, I got baptized. I also got accepted to charm 
um, transitional housing. And I got out on July 12th, and here it is, I guess November, it's been about four months now. And just this morning, I played basketball with some of the guys at First Baptist Church that actually were the ones that were there that day on the court. Charm has afforded me so many opportunities. I get to play basketball with a youth group on Thursday nights. I get to go host a Bible study at another transitional house on Sunday afternoons. It has been a transformational work in my life. I've been searching for this or trying to create this persona or this identity that I thought was appealing either to my flesh or to the world or whatever. Now, through Christ, He gives me he is my identity, but he gives me my identity. I know where I stand. I don't have to. The world does not define me any longer. I'm defined by my relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's where I sit. All my needs have been met. There is no guilt and shame from killing my stepdad that I had to carry that around with me. I don't have to carry that because there's no guilt and shame in Christ. I just am thankful for Charm Ministries and all it's done in my life. Hey you guys, hope everyone had a really great holiday. Uh, we are back at it here at the District Court in DC. Um, today, uh, Oath Keepers 2.0 is still going on. Uh, just more testimony there. Uh, I will just jump right into the Proud Boys uh, jury selection. Um, it has been going on. This will be the fifth full day it is the longest jury selection uh, that I've seen so far of all the Jan 6 cases. Uh, it has a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, uh, the district has a lot of uh, BLM supporters in it. And um, of course, you know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Proud Boys and BLM and Antifa. And so there's a lot of those issues. Uh, they are trying to get to 46 potential jurors before the uh, each side has their strikes. Um, we are only at 29 um, at the end of the fifth day. Uh, you know, there is, there's just a lot of uh, hard questions uh, that have to be asked. Uh, Judge Kelly is doing a, uh, a judge ruled uh, void air where he is the one who asked the questions. Um, I have seen it where the judge asked the questions, but I've also seen it where the uh, attorneys asked the questions, counsel at Voidaire. Um, so it, it goes up really in depth with uh, a lot of the questions. Um, I have to say some of the jurors that are being qualified, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, one of the jurors earlier today that was qualified, uh, his wife works. Uh, in the office of a BLM activist group. Um, he is a pastor at a church with many BLM activists in it. And uh, he just really believed that he could uh, get his, uh, set his opinions aside. Uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing a lot of that in this case where you were just trusting that the juror will set their feelings aside. I've seen it in other Jan 6 cases. This is just a little bit more in depth because of the level of exposure the Proud Boys have gotten. Uh, also, um, you know, just being in the district alone, uh, you know, many of them uh, knew the Proud Boy names all the way back from, you know, the Trump debates, uh, you know, so that that's causing um, a lot of difficulty. 
you know, there are some really good questions. Carmen Hernandez, she is the attorney for uh, Zachary Real. Um, she had a very good point today. Many, many of these uh, jurors have uh, uh, issue uh, with believing that uh, Proud Boys are a white nationalist group, white supremacist. Um, so that, and, and her point about that was, is that, you know, that's like someone's core beliefs. That is, uh, you know, they're making, that's, that's their morality. And if, if you're asking someone to go against their morality, uh, you know, it, it's hard to set them on the jury. And, you know, they have already dismissed, they've struck for cause about 60% of the potential jurors. Uh, I believe at the end of the day today, we would have gone over uh, over 80 jurors for sure, potential jurors, um, to only get to the 29 that we have. So, you you know, there there is a lot uh, <clears throat> of exposure for the Proud Boys. Uh, <clears throat> And a lot of uh, misinformation, a lot of uh, misinformation that uh, the people in the district have. Uh, many of them believe that they are white now. A lot uh, <clears throat> of exposure for the Proud Boys. Uh, <clears throat> and a lot of uh, misinformation, a lot of uh, misinformation that uh, the people in the district have. Uh, many of them believe that they are white nationalists. Uh, and it is, it's, it's, it's really hard to get over that. Um, I, I believe that they should have a jury by the end of the week. Judge Kelly believes that we will. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to get to the end and, and see what, what jury we have set. Uh, you know, uh, you know, many of them have such uh, firm beliefs about January 6th and the direct role they believe that the Proud Boys had in that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just going to be a, a, a super, super hard task. Uh, you know, I would like to say that I think that compared to the other trials I've seen, the, the lawyers and, and everything it, it is a it's a lot of personalities in that room um you know i haven't really seen the head prosecutor in action uh his name is eric kinnerson uh i have i haven't seen him in another case he is happy he is the lead prosecutor for uh the lockerbie bombing uh uh defendant that that's just come up that's the only other thing that i've heard uh him associated with uh you know i i do see judge kelly kind of laugh and look at the prosecution table a lot um very smugly um i i don't really know what that's about i i have seen judge kelly in a another trial doug jensen's trial that was doug's lawyer um and he can be a bit smug, you know, um, but his courtroom, his rules. And, uh, you know, so tomorrow we'll be back at it with uh, the jury selection uh, in, in Proud Boys and we'll, and we'll get to see how far that goes. 
Um, I do think that a lot of really good questions are being asked. I think there are many uh, potential jurors that have gotten through uh, that are very biased, actually. Uh, they, they're they not even pretending. They, they say what they have to say about January 6th. How is it an embarrassment to our country? how much they dislike Trump, how much uh, they believe that Trump was spreading a big lie. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, trickles down to what's happening with the Proud Boys. Um, I do know that there's gonna be like four sentencings this week. I will give uh, more of an update on the sentencings. Uh, Later this week, uh, Big O Barnett, he has pre-trial this week. He'll, he'll be coming to trial pretty soon. Um, you know, a lot of stuff happening uh, here in the district court. Uh, judge Hogan, uh, he is Ryan Nichols' judge. Uh, he will be um, retiring. So all of those cases will be distributed amongst the other judges. And uh, I have been in court all day, so tomorrow maybe I'll have some different Jan 6 news um, after I read up on some things. Um, but love all you guys, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye. I'm talking to John Mellis right now in the DC Gulag, and uh, he just has a little message that, that he wants to give out um, to uh, the, the Patriot community. Hey, John, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I really appreciate you giving me the time, Mel, uh, because it's such an important message that I, I really want everyone to understand. We all know the names that you know are so uh, important to us uh, up front and their faces, like the you know new Mel Mel uh, Mel Holly or Randy Ireland or or Mickey uh, Whithoff or or Tara Casanova or Kelly Wild. I mean, we know all of these names that have been, uh, you know, constant around in the public eye with a high profile that they have. But what is probably more important, the unseen and, and unrecognized, because there's so many millions of patriots out there that are writing letters and uh, helping us out in so many ways, whether it's donating to the Food for J6ers for our commissary, whether it's writing us letters, writing Congress letters, writing their local representatives, um, you know, making a think with the media or, or whatever it is. I mean, it is so important that these millions of Americans have been doing this, and it really means so much to us, to me, to, to everyone in this community, especially those um, high-profile activists, because it makes your life a lot easier, and it, and it, it, it gives you the, you know, so all of the great advocates and activists that we do have that are up front, it, it makes their lives, you know, work smoother when they have the amount of support that we do have. And I would just, I just want to give some words of encouragement to those those uh, unnamed or um, um, unrecognized uh, patriots that have been, uh, you know, helping so 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 much. Like, uh, you know, and I could name a couple. I mean, I know, you know, Sancia Duffy or Molly Basile or. Uh, you know, just so many um, in Harrington. I mean, we just there's so many names that I, I could I could go through. I know uh, AJ and Suzanne uh, just visited for uh, for a few days the, the nightly vigil outside the jail, and they they've been writing to many of us. Um, you know, um, um, Heather and Fran. I mean, there's just so many that that we love you and we we appreciate your support and your love, and uh, it is so amazing that. Um, we have been exposed to 
this terrible tragedy of, uh, of the criminal justice system. Um, it, it, it really is the most amazing silver lining that we could have ever asked for to see such, such courageous and, and, and patriotic Americans coming forward, standing up for the rights of, 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 of us, of, of myself. I mean, it, it really is, uh, you know, there's so many times where I've been in a cell uh, lockdown 23 hours a day at times, and um, which was basically the first year of this incarceration, which was 23 hours in my cell, and uh, just feeling alone and lost, and like nobody was thinking about me, and nobody was nobody really cared, and the media didn't care. We were only I was only being called a terrorist and uh, whatever crazy names they could come up with, but. But, you know, through this through this experience, I've come to realize that that entire time that I felt alone and lost and forgotten, uh, there were millions of Americans praying for me and thinking about me and um, wanting to know how things were going. And, um, and finally, through this beautiful network of activists that are up front, people are coming forward and they know they can finally get to our stories. They can finally hear us. Mama Mickey gives us a platform every single night with the nightly vigil uh, in front of the jail. And, uh, you know, uh, it really is just the most amazing gift uh, to be able to address thousands of people on my street and a crowd of people outside the jail every single night for the last five months. I mean, and, and then you, Mel, you brought it into a podcast. We're reaching thousands and thousands of people when we speak. I mean, I know some of your episodes are reaching such extensive amounts of, of viewers. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and uh, we really love you, and, and it's really the viewers and the patriots that are stepping up that aren't being recognized. That I, I wish, I wish for a day when I could finally like travel the country and really meet all of these amazing people and give them the glory and the platform that they deserve because they have given us so much uh, in the past two years. I, I think it's it's so true, and it's so important to recognize all these people. It's it's people. Um, doing things like like sharing the truth, um, sharing the stories they find, uh, the podcasts they find that that have the truth about what happened on that day. But I think um, so many of these people um, who are working behind the scenes who we don't know about, who are doing all these things, um, you know, making phone calls to the marshals, uh, writing letters to Congress, making calls, uh, emails, all of that stuff. Um, you know, I think they also look to you guys as uh, those who are sort of the martyrs for what we're going through right now, that uh, if they were there and they and they, you know, weren't arrested or if they weren't there just because they couldn't be there or, um, you, you know, whatever their choice was, whatever happened with them, um, you know, I think it's it's a matter of of just supporting you guys for for being the ones who who, um, you know, took the bullets on the front lines, so to speak, and um, and and sometimes not, so to speak. But, uh, you know, that's that's why we support you. That's why we're here. And um, it, it is it is amazing. This this Patriot community is is a beautiful thing. So um, we so appreciate you, John. And and thank you for for sharing this message and, and uh, reiterating, um, you know, what needs to be said. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mel, and thank you to all those great patriots out there that are uh, in our corner. We we hear you, we we feel you, we feel your prayers, and we uh, we are we are so grateful. I, I I promise you, my heart is 
I just I know that you're watching, you know, with the comments on the Gateway Content articles or the, the viewers on the, the different podcasts that we speak on. I mean, it really is something uh, to know that, that, that we have so much support and love. And yeah. just thank you, America. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mel. God bless. Americans for Justice, Inc. is a nonpartisan alliance that vigorously defends the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and due process across our great nation, which are pivotal to preserving life, liberty, and freedom for all. Too long we have played defense and are losing on all battlefronts through divided efforts. The root problem of election integrity, medical freedom, political prisoners, southern border crisis, CPS and APS and others is one common thing, a direct assault on the U.S. Constitution and due process. Americans for Justice is a nonprofit organization with local chapters in all 50 states, working with lawyers, legal scholars, and organizations to actively fight government overreach at all levels. Unite with us in the fight for our J6 political hostages and whatever else due process rights are violated. We ask for your support in this vital mission through a one-time donation or an ongoing membership. Go to the letter A, the number 4, justice.org. 